Happy December, everybody. What's going on? This is Tanner from TanManBaseballFan.com, and I wanted to talk to you a little bit tonight about the art of the trade. Baseball card collecting as a hobby and a community in general has seemingly lost this art of trading. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about some uh, previous stories in my past that had to do with trading, as well as some tips and tricks uh, for trading for you in the future and how it could possibly be used more as a benefit over cash. So my first exposure to baseball cards really came a couple years before I started collecting, which uh, uh, I started collecting in 1989. So my first exposure to baseball cards was 1987. I've talked to you about this before, but uh, you remember the story. Me and some family friends went to a baseball card shop. Myself and the uh, family's child ended up picking up a pack of A7 Tops. He pulled a Todd Worrell. I pulled a Jose Canseco. Uh, both had the little pretty rookie cup at the corner of the card. And uh, he wanted to trade me. I had no idea who these guys were, but he was a little too excited. So I said, nah, I'm going to go ahead and keep old Jose, old Josie Canseco, uh, as I probably thought his name was uh, back then. So that uh, trade would not have ended up too well for me, I don't think, because I don't think Todd Worrell ever really panned out. Uh, but uh, a couple years later, I end up getting into baseball cards myself, fall madly in love with them, and uh, I am opened up to the uh, wonderful world of, I don't know if it's commerce, I don't know if you could call it commerce when it comes to trading, but uh, uh, doing transactions, I guess, uh, with uh, friends. We didn't have anything to trade <laughs> other than, uh, than baseball cards, so when baseball cards were introduced to us, man, we, we went, we were off and running. You know, uh, we have a pile of A9 tops and you trade that pile with uh, Tim Rock Reigns at the top uh, for a pile of uh, 90 Donruss with uh, you know, maybe Ron Gant on the top or something. I mean, it was just a, it was a glorious time. It was a fantastic time to get uh, some cards that were in your collection that you didn't care about and to uh, send them out into the world and in return, get a pile of cards that you hadn't seen before. And, uh, and you didn't have to spend a dime of your allowance. You know, uh, that, was a, that was a great, great feeling. Uh, yeah, sure, we were talking about cards that were worth pennies for the most part. Uh, every now and then, uh, you go for the heavy hitters. You, you trade uh, Jose Canseco or Mark McGuire or Will Clark or Kevin Mitchell or something. Uh, but if you're trading buddies with the right people and everybody's got the right cards, then it works out beautifully. Uh, absolutely beautifully, especially if you don't have any money to start off with. <laughs> so the trading part is wonderful. And if you don't collect uh, Will Clark or Kevin Mitchell, the counterparts of the Bash Brothers, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's perfect. It's, it's just a, a match made in heaven when you can trade some uh, quote-unquote big ticket items 
like a Wolfhawk or some other cards that you love so much but you don't have yet in your collection. And uh, my childhood is really, uh, was, was really uh, flooded with this type of activity. And ultimately, going from trade to buying and selling and, you know, but, but all of that is, is kind of mixed in it together, I think. Uh, I think as you get older, the, uh, the actual buying and selling is just easier. You know, it just seems to be easier to, to work with cash than actual cards. Uh, and I think probably uh, because of eBay, because it's so easy nowadays on uh, Facebook groups and forums and eBay and everything else, it's just easy to hop online and get what you want. So, you know, I mean, it's, uh, it's completely understandable, but, you know, back then, uh, when I was a kid before the internet, trading is where it was at. And uh, I think one of my uh, best trades I remember, I actually wrote about a little bit in my book, Confessions of a Baseball Card Addict. And uh, guys, I'm kind of excited because like just thinking about this right now, uh, to be able to, to voice, to be able to actually tell you uh, how it came about and what happened. And, and I'll try to, it's gonna be a little, a little bit fragmented. There's probably going to be more. Uh, it's going to be a smoother story tell in the book, but hopefully I'll be able to give it a, a richer flavor as I'm telling you, uh, telling you how this went down. So uh, I remember uh, I was living in an apartment complex with my folks, and uh, there was a bus that would uh, pick us up for school. Uh, so I guess. I guess this is this means we're in high school at this point, so probably ninth grade or so. And uh, so I would always be sitting uh, next to this girl that I liked and uh, share my Walkman music with her and stuff. And uh, you know, I just uh, never, <laughs> never had the uh, uh, the audacity to ask her out or anything like that. I just uh, I guess I was just too happy just to sit next to her and her be. Uh, okay with uh, listening to music that I had, <laughs> which is pretty funny. But uh, I do remember this one kid, he was definitely an upperclassman. Uh, and uh, he was taller, skinnier, and uh, he'd always wear this big kind of gangster coat kind of thing. And uh, he had a, uh, an earring, which all this stuff, by the way, y'all, like, to me is like a 13-year-old or whatever it was back then like a different type of person completely like you know it's just all that stuff was like so far out of what my realm of like actually being as a person was uh so you could clearly tell there was a massive age difference between myself and this other i don't want to say kids guy uh i don't know maybe 16 17 i'm just i'm not sure so Anyways, I don't recall exactly how we got to start talking because we certainly would not have been in any of the same circles of people. Uh, but nevertheless, we did talk and uh, found out that both of us collected baseball cards. And as we were talking, I remember telling him about my complete sets of cards I had, the, the 
1988 score complete factory set that was red uh beautiful red box the uh um, 89 tops factory set the blue and white fade i think it was 90 tops 1990 score that glorious bright yellow long brick of a box uh hand collated sets uh 87 tops uh 89 Donners with the Griffey rookie and Randy Johnson rookie and Gary Sheffield rookie. Uh, all of these sets that just, you know, nowadays, I mean, <laughs> we could pick them up for, you know, two, three, four, five dollars or something that popped. Uh, nothing massive. Back then, it was a different deal. Like, everybody was into this. Again, this is pre internet, remember? So uh, he starts telling me about a buddy of his. Uh, that had some uh, all kinds of like 40s and 50s cards and I don't know if I've uh, ever mentioned this on the podcast or not before but you guys like kind of to rewind a little bit have me go to uh, the bullpen my favorite baseball card shop uh, every weekend mom and dad would take me there and I just love it to death I didn't pick up the Canseco cards I really picked up packs the things I actually picked up were the older cards, like cards from the 60s and 70s and sometimes the 50s. Uh, There's a long stretch there. I was just like so infatuated with these cards that were older than me for some reason. Uh, I remember asking uh, Mike, I think it was Pazan, Pazan, I don't remember his last name, but uh, owner of the bullpen there in Fresno, California, uh, and uh, asked him if he had any uh, any uh, older cards, not 80s, you know, but maybe 70s, 60s, and you know, possibly even 50s, you know. <laughs> and uh, him looking at me, just kind of a little confused because kids didn't ask for those cards. And uh, he goes, "Okay, sure." He uh, walks off into the back office, which y'all like. That's like that's like holy ground to me back then, uh, right? Like what untold riches did he have back there like what cards on the back that he could just pull out this massive wooden uh five row drawer full of like 50s 60s and 70s cards i just didn't know you know maybe he had like cabinets of these cards and uh you know it's just uh something that was just uh, uh you know i let my mind run wild thinking about all of these and uh, so he ends up uh, pulling this, uh, this this drawer out, and I just remember, oh man, just going through all of them and and reading these names of these cards. I didn't even really know who they were, but man, y'all, they had like the greatest mustaches and sideburns and hairstyles and everything. It's so funny. It's like looking at almost like baseball cards of dinosaurs, <laughs> like a, a, a land before time and all this. So. Uh, I remember falling in love with like 1975 tops, the the wacky colors, uh, 1957 tops, the the beautiful photography that was just so simple, uh, and that uh, yeah you know it's just so great. But uh, anyway, so I remember pulling out a few cards every week whenever I came out uh, to the bullpen and. Again, there weren't really any cards or anything that were like massive, but you know, maybe like a, uh, I don't know, 
75 tops Ray Fossey. Uh, I'm sure I go for some of the uh, some of the A's, and I remember 75 also had some minis. I I don't know how I got my hands on it, but uh, a beat up uh, 75 tops mini. Mike Schmidt was a big deal. Uh, 1976 tops All Star Johnny Dench. Uh, you know, those those are some of the quote unquote higher end cards I got back then. The uh, the vast majority were commons, but anyways, I'm kind of telling you all this to kind of lay the groundwork for to let you know why my ears would perk up whenever this uh, taller kid, his name was uh, was Nick, I think. Maybe it was Nate. I don't remember. Anyways, so uh, I'm asking him uh, about the cards that he and his buddy have, and he's like, oh yeah, we've got all the kinds of uh, uh, real cards from the 40s and 50s and like you know my jaw dropped because I remember like here's how my brain worked I know that like in my closet I'd have all of the complete sets set up like a baseball card shop where you'd have them like layered on top of each other like bricks where the ends are pointing out to you and you can actually read what the sets are and of course, if they're the hand-collated sets, they're in the, the, the plain white boxes, but you hand-write the, uh, the names and the years on the, on the edges of them. So, I see those, and while I loved them, I just knew there's something uh, about the older cards instead, because every card shop in town, every kid, every man, woman, child, that had baseball cards had these. They all had the 88 score set. They all had the 89 top set. They all had the 90 upper deck set. You know, like they just weren't rare. So whenever I'd heard that he actually had some cards, some baseball cards from the 1940s and 1950s, <laughs> my mind started running wild. And so he said, well, hey, yeah, I'll tell you what, let me, let me get my buddy. Uh, to meet me at my townhouse, which this, this boy lived uh, guy, that's right, you remember calling him a guy, he wasn't a boy. <laughs> this guy lived in the uh, townhouse around the corner, but he took the same bus that I did to school. So uh, he said, after school, how about uh, I get my buddy over to my townhouse, you know, we'll go over to your apartment, we'll get all of your cards, and we'll bring them over. Okay, sure. So, uh, needless to say, I'm like super excited about uh, about this whole this whole thing. Uh, thinking, just thinking about like what, could be, um, what if this guy has like 1952 Topps baseball cards? What if he has like the cards that are actually in the same set as the famed 1952 Topps mantle? How neat would that be to own some of those cards? So, anyways, the uh, school day, let me be honest with y'all, I know, I remember nothing about that day uh, at school. In fact, I'm even kind of second-guessing myself uh, as, as to if I was actually a freshman or if I was in eighth grade and we just took the same school bus to uh, uh, for uh, junior high and high school. I just don't remember that. What I do remember, though, is the baseball cards. So, uh, at the end of the day, uh, me and this guy go over to my apartment. We uh, uh, pick up all of the cards I can, and uh, 
remember I remember riding my bike uh, with you know a backpack or maybe two backpacks filled with these complete sets of cards and uh, so I go up there and uh, knock on the door I remember this guy and his friend were the only two home okay well you come in and we go into his bedroom we go okay so let's uh, let's see what each other has so I say okay take all of your cards and lay them on the bed okay so I pull out all the sets, the factory sets, the hand collated sets, almost <laughs> handling them almost as if they're bricks of gold, right? Because <laughs> that's what it felt like to us kids. Uh, and so uh, they're all, you know, like my uh, my uh, best of the best as far as the 80s and 90s cards go, <laughs> all on his bed. And uh, he and his friend are looking at him. I'm going to tell you a little bit about his friend also. I remember his friend a pretty it's pretty interesting how this happened i got the strange distinct feeling that he wasn't a boy he wasn't a guy he was a man remember he had stubble and he was dressed very well and they were talking about something about his fiance and i started thinking this is kind of strange like i'm a child and I'm walking into doing a trade deal with this other guy that's got this gangster jacket and earring and you know clearly bigger than me and uh, this other guy that's a man <laughs> who is engaged for crying out loud I don't you know I didn't even I hadn't had a girlfriend at that point you know so that was a that's a massive leap for me so uh, anyways I show my cards but I'm, I'm on edge a little bit I'm my excitement is kind of uh, uh, equaled with my nerves about this whole situation. I don't think I really ever thought I was gonna get robbed, uh, but either way, I just thought it was kind of a strange situation. So they pull out their cards and the guy, and, and by the way, let me tell you about whenever I pulled my cards out, I, I caught a glimpse of them looking at each other like, yeah, we got something here. And I was just thinking, huh, I don't think they know that I can read what they're like across their faces. Oh, well, I'll just, uh, so I thought, okay, maybe I'll just play dumb or something. And, you know, I, I know, I know my way around cards. Like it was my life back then. So we'll see what they have. And if they have something good, then let's do a deal. So, uh, they pull out this box, and they're all, if I remember correctly, they're in these uh, card savers. Do you remember what those look like, the card savers? They're like semi-rigid plastic. They've got like a, a quarter-inch, half-inch lip of plastic hanging out of the top and the back. Uh, you slide them uh, in, hopefully, in the paint sleeve or something first, and then in the card saver. Uh, yeah, those are... If I remember correctly, those that's what the cards were in. So I'm looking through, and I remember uh, trying to think, trying to think if uh, I can remember what what there were. What there were, I knew there were like some uh, 1954 tops cards and uh, 1953 tops, 1951 tops blue backs and red backs, I think, and 
just as I had hoped, there were some 1952 Topps cards. And uh, if you remember, I'm sure, listen, if y'all are listening to this, <laughs> y'all know what 1952 Topps looks like. You know what the 52 mantle looks like. Uh, it is iconic. It is the number one baseball card uh, in all of uh, post-war baseball card collecting history. The only card that is more popular than it is the T206 Wagner. And that's it, guys. Like, <laughs> you know that. I don't have to tell you that. But uh, anyway, so they're just like, I don't even know how many there were. 50, 60, 70, 100, 200. I, I just remember there are quite a few. Now, clearly, the sets of cars I had uh, outnumbered by a landslide the cards that they brought to the table. But, listen, we're talking about 1952 tops versus 1988 score. <laughs> so, of course, it's going to be different. Now, don't get me wrong, you know, the, the cards were not near mint by any stretch of the imagination. They all had condition issues. They really did. I mean, they were, whew, I don't know. Uh, if someone were to grade them, they'd probably grade anywhere between a one and a three on average, I'd imagine. But still, uh, I knew what it felt like to have real cards. I was mainly uh, concerned with their authenticity. Once I had them in my hands, I knew. I knew that they were real and they weren't like fakes. And so I ended up walking away. I think that was the last time that I ever saw either of them. At least from what I remember, who knows? I probably saw the earring guy every day for the rest of the year on the bus. I just don't remember. <laughs> but uh, I do uh, I do remember walking away with those cards, the, the 40s and 50s cards, and um, who else, whoever else was in there. Not, not that there were many big names or anything, but being like super excited and having just really kind of this small box that I came back home with as opposed to like these two huge like backpacks full of these cards and guys I remember uh, when I brought them back just how excited I was and not just really I don't know it's it's hard to explain it's hard to explain how I felt because uh, obviously I was about to give up collecting shortly thereafter, but every time I would think back about my cards, I would remember these older cards, the, uh, the 40s, 50s, 60s cards that I had uh, from the field. And uh, I remember every time I took a peek at the Beckett or you know, find out on eBay or whatever, I go, ha, yeah. I think I, uh, I think I made a great, great deal. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's, it was fun because I saw the look on their faces. They were clearly, they clearly thought they had something on this, this little kid. But uh, I ended up making out like a bandit, which was, which was outstanding. And it was a great, great run of cards. And what I did was kind of interesting because I knew that I wanted to display them and not store them, but I wanted to ha uh, give them uh, protection. So what I did was I kept them in those card savers and I bought these pages. 
I think they're from Ultra Pro. They were uh, four pockets to a page. So I would just slip in the card that's in the paint sleeve, that's in the card saver, into the pocket. So I kind of the best of both worlds. And I love doing it that way for those older cards. And uh, the fun thing was, I think, is probably, as I'm talking, I'm kind of, I'm kind of realizing this now, just how excited I was to be able to show people those cards not even like even if they weren't collectors even if they had nothing no idea about baseball cards it's fun to be able to say hey take a look I've got some baseball cards from 1952 you know like I have these cards are decades old and that's kind of the fun fun part of it for uh, for me now as well having some pre-war cards from like the 19th century uh, they just make a great conversation piece and uh I think that's part of what makes the hobby so interesting now, nowadays, is when we have interesting cards in our collection uh, that transcend the hobby to where we can actually talk to people uh, that have no idea about baseball cards and tell them what we have, show them what we have, and then make them go, huh, that's really cool. You know, because a lot of these cards like the older things, like they'll, uh, they kind of feel like maybe like what a, an American history relic, like the Declaration of Independence might feel like or something, you know, seriously. Uh, might be that way for me and you, might also be that way for your aunt and neighbor down the street and uh, coworkers and everything. I think there's some part of everybody that if they hear about certain cards in your collection, or anybody's collection, I think they'll be interested. And, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of the thing that's kind of, that was kind of neat to me. Like, the conversation piece for me back then wouldn't be the 88 score set. Like, who cares about the 88 score set when it's 1992, 1993, whatever it was, <laughs> you know? Everybody had them. And uh, not many people wanted them. Uh, well, I think a lot of people wanted them, but they were just super, super, super easy to get. The cards from the 40s, 50s, especially, I mean, not everybody had those. So, uh, fun, fun, fun little conversation piece. So, uh, that's kind of my, my story on trading as a kid. Now, as I was kind of alluding to earlier, as you get older, it does get to be quite a bit easier to use cash. Just to you see a card you like, whether you uh, pay with it uh, through PayPal, put it on a credit card, whatever you want. Uh, it's just easy to do. And by the way, I'd recommend not using credit cards for uh, baseball cards. Uh, interest rates on those sorts of things are you know, terrible. So avoid it at all costs. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, it's a lot easier to just make a purchase these days instead of going through your cards and hoping that you have something uh, that somebody else wants, especially, and this is kind of, this is really key to understanding uh, how, the, how the dynamics of trading has changed. Uh, nowadays, if somebody wants something, like let's say, I'll give you an example. Let's say somebody has a, a one of one Jose Canseco baseball card. Uh, that I want, but they're really trying to trade 
uh, traded away. So uh, you can ask them, well, what do you want? And you know, they can say, oh, look, you know, I, I want like some Tom Brady one of ones rookies or uh, Bo Jackson beautiful patch low number cards. Now, all these cards now, uh, there's so, so, so many of these unbelievable cards that are like super duper rare, right? Uh, and the odds of you having something to trade is going to be very, very uh, low. And so you, know, you really kind of got to be careful um, and not necessarily careful, um, but you have to you have to take that into consideration whenever you're trying to do a trade because it's going to be infinitely more difficult nowadays. It's a lot easier back when I was a kid. You say, "Hey, let's trade." You got a pile of eighty dollars. Okay, I got a pile of eighty-nine fleer. Let's uh, let's make it happen, Captain. And uh, <laughs> it's not like that anymore, uh, especially when it gets to the uh, the higher end cards. So uh, nowadays, there's a lot of people that will use uh, higher end cards as trade bait because uh, a lot of times now, guys, like what we're looking at, the cards that we want, uh, are going to be the super high end, low number cards. Uh, and if the super collector gobbles up the card that you want, it doesn't matter the amount of money you offer them. They're just going to say no. They're going to say, take a hike, kick rocks. Uh, you know, that's, <laughs> it's, it's a closed door. So sometimes the interesting thing about this is uh, whenever uh, that happens and there is no way to make a purchase, you might actually have an avenue of trading. And I know this personally because I have a number of cards in my collection that I just love. Like, I'm just absolutely in absolute love with that I would have never had, ever, had I not been able to put together a trade. Uh, I'll give you a couple examples. Uh, if I can think of any here, uh, I'm going to try to make this as uh, concise as possible because uh, some of the trades that I've done in the past have gotten to be like very, very, very convoluted, very difficult, very advanced, um, and uh, involving multiple people. So, which is fine, it's just it takes a lot of brain power to do this, right? So, uh, in the middle of it, it can be kind of stressful, but when it's done, it's fun because not only can you feel like you won some sort of a prize that you would never ever been able to have uh, held in your collection otherwise, uh, you also just have a great story. <laughs> Again, if you can remember how it went down. <laughs> and sometimes I have a difficult time remembering exactly how everything happened. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to do my best. Uh, I'll, I'll start off with a few and maybe I'll Maybe I'll pause this recording a little bit every now and then to uh, uh, to remember all the all the details on how some of these things happen. But uh, I do remember this one time. Uh, this uh, guy they met that was uh, in Galveston, 
the Galveston area, I believe. So he's probably, oh, I don't even know how far Galveston, how far away Galveston is nowadays, and that's where we had our honeymoon. Uh, but uh, I, I guess, uh, oh, maybe an hour and a half away, I think. Uh, so, uh, anyways, this guy has has this big collection of baseball cards he's looking to get rid of. Uh, like, okay, and uh, I. Uh, I get some pictures from them, and the cards look great. Like, I think I can make some good money off of them. Uh, you know, I'd love to be able to just have fun with them for a while. So, I asked him how much he wanted, and he said, "Well, uh, I don't want to sell them." Like, oh, <laughs> what do you mean you don't want to sell them? <laughs> he goes, "I don't collect baseball. I collect football. I want to trade." I go, oh. Okay, uh, and I had no idea about football cards. Like I just didn't, didn't care about them. And I still don't really all that much. But uh, so I asked my buddy uh, Dwayne, who's a uh, who's a dealer. Uh, you know, if he if he had some football cards, I could buy off of him. I said yeah. So asked the guy that wants to do the trade. I said, well, what are you looking for? Uh, got a guy that has a lot of good football stuff. So. Maybe I can get some from him and we can do a deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I like uh, game use cards and uh, autograph cards. Nothing too huge, but I would like a box of them. Like, you know, something where it's like book value is like between $800 and $1,000. Yeah, okay. All right. So I asked my buddy, like, hey, can you make me a box? Of this stuff and how much it'll cost me. He goes, yeah, I'll tell you what, Tanner, I'll, I'll, I'll throw a box together for you and uh, I'll, I'll do it for 200 bucks. Because, you know, I, everybody knows that uh, nobody pays full book value. It's just not how it goes. It is a good guide sometimes, I guess. Uh, I typically normally just go by eBay sales for the most part. Uh, but uh, in this situation, I mean, we're talking probably at this point, maybe, uh, about 13 years ago or so, so I guess things were a little different back then. But anyhow, uh, I bring this box to the guy. Uh, you know, two-row shoe box full of football cards, mainly game uses and autograph cards. And uh, he's really stoked about him. He's like, yeah, this is really cool stuff. Okay, so I ended up getting his entire baseball card collection for this box that he wouldn't have otherwise given to me. Uh, uh, for sale and it cost me $200 by bringing my buddy in to do this and as a result I think I ended up being able to make I don't remember it was like 600 or something I think off of it all uh, and have some fun with it and you know it took work to sell them but for me it's not really work because I just love baseball cards so much enjoy having them and displaying and organizing and that sort of thing so that's a deal that simply would not have happened uh, if uh, I didn't employ this idea that I had of a trade and bring in another person uh, to do it. So sometimes you really do have to think outside the box. Sometimes it won't work, but sometimes it will. And uh, when it does work, it makes it a fun story. Uh, let's see if I can think of another one here. So another deal that I had, 
which happened uh, earlier this year, I think it was. And uh, this involves one of ones. So it's kind of fun to do deals with one of ones because uh, yeah, they're kind of like the, the top of the top of the heap uh, stuff. So uh, I'll tell you kind of what happened just as a uh, to kind of set up the, the whole story for you here. Uh, last Christmas, uh, day after the day after last Christmas, I remember looking at Atticus and he was just looking really lethargic. I go, huh? What's going on? And so Holly told me she's like, I think Atticus is getting sick. Oh no! You, know, you hate when your kids get sick. You're always worried about them, you know. So later on during the day, uh, yeah, it's it's evident he's getting sick, and uh, Holly is starting not so look so well either. So uh oh, <laughs> this isn't good. And she goes, and she said, "Babe, yeah, I think we might have the flu," and. Uh, I think that you should go to the store tonight and stock up on everything because I think in the morning you're going to have the flu also and none of us are going to feel uh, good about going to the store uh, when we feel like we might want to die. <laughs> okay, alright, so I go to the store and I remember feeling like, okay, is this like a psychological thing or am I truly getting sick, you know? <laughs> And so I stock us up on soup and, you know, orange juice and medicine and, and all this thing, come home. And uh, it's like, yeah, I don't think I'm feeling too swell. You know, Holly and Atticus both at this point were, yeah, just not doing too well at all. And uh, so we all go to bed, pull Atticus's bed in, uh, in our room so we can all be together there. If anybody needs anything, and uh, I wake up, sure enough, I feel like trash. And Holly and Atticus are feeling worse, also, and so it's like, well, great, all three of us just feeling like, you know, just awful. So, make my way to the office, and uh, I uh, turn on the computer because it's off for some reason. It won't come on. You go, ha, interesting. Well, come to find out, the night that we got sick, like so horribly sick, my computer died. Like, that's my work lifeline, so to speak. And so, I was like, oh my gosh, what do I do? <laughs> December 27th, just all just, ugh, everything, you know, just went to, went to crap. And uh, so, I remember, uh, basically, we all ended up staying in bed for like a week. Like we didn't, we hardly got out of the room <laughs> uh, that much uh, for for about a week until like after uh, New Year came in. And during that time, you know, looking at my phone, whatever I can stomach, actually. Uh, actually looking at a screen <laughs> because we were just all so miserable <laughs> and uh, uh, seeing on eBay there's this uh, you know remember my mindset was a little bit different uh, about a year ago uh, I wasn't really looking for Conseco cards certainly not new ones okay but like 
uh, and definitely not one of ones. But this one one of one popped up and it kind of caught my eye. I remember talking about it uh, to some other people in the past. It's a 2018 triple threads. Uh, and uh, 2018, what they did was they made four different flavors. So these are the sideways cards, by the way, just to remind y'all what these look like. And uh, they'll have like these little phrases that are uh, that are cut out of the card on the front. So that way a relic can show through uh, the actual phrase. So like you could have, for Conseco, there were four of them. Like one was called uh, MVP, uh, I don't remember what a couple of the others were, but the one that really caught my eye was the one that said Cartoon Hero. And so you look on the back, and it talks about Jose Canseco's time on The Simpsons for Homer at the Bat. And guys, ah, oh, you know, starting to think this, you know, this flu-ridden head of mine start thinking about, uh, Possibly, maybe, getting another Kinseiko one of one card here. 2018, but it's like, okay, it's okay though, because it's triple threads. Uh, and it's the first year that he's actually had a wood card from triple threads. Which, by the way, you guys, like, I've always wanted him to have one of these types of cards. So, yeah, okay, top's kind of... Uh, might have overdone it there by having four different one of ones. <laughs> I didn't care about any of the others. I cared about the Cartoon Hero one, and that was it. And the way Triple Threads does it, they'll have parallels at 3, 9, 18, maybe 36. I don't know. So, you know, if, if I wanted to, I could have uh, probably picked up one out of 27 or 36 and called it a day, but the fact that it was wood uh, and it was one of one. I did Simpsons. Like loving this idea, right? <laughs> so make an offer on it. And uh, I don't exactly remember all the details of this, but all I do remember is uh, I was too slow. And I think I was ready to buy for some reason or another. Didn't work out. And, uh, another Consego Super Collector that I know. Uh, bought it. <laughs> Go, no! <laughs> so I'm I'm really upset. But I'm like, oh, it's okay. It's no big deal. No big deal at all. It's just uh, one of one. I don't really need. But guess what happens when you're sick and you're in bed? You start to think a lot, right? <laughs> so I'm thinking about this card and I'm like, oh man, it would have been so cool. This is like first year of wood. Uh, wood one of one for triple threads. It said Cartoon Hero for Simpsons, and it's right up my alley. I don't think there's any other licensed card that talks about it. Uh, and certainly not as overtly as like that. It says Cartoon Hero on the front and everything. So, anyways, I'm uh, kind of bummed about it, but I'm like, well, let me talk. So I end up, uh, well, as we're getting better, like two weeks down the down the road start talking to the owner I'm like so let me ask you like what do you think about uh, doing trade like what if I could find one of those other uh, wood 
uh, triple threat is the one-of-one cards. Remember, there's only three others out there. Uh, and uh, sorry, I think there's like a regular one-of-one one as well uh, for all these. Uh, I forgot about that. I think there's like a red one and a blue one. So, you know, so yeah, triple threat is crazy with all the one-of-ones. Uh, the only one I care about is this wood Carson Hero one, though. So, anyways, uh, he goes, yeah, I guess if I had another uh, Triple Threads Award 1-1, I, I would trade. I don't really care which one, because Simpsons don't matter to me. He's like, okay, great. Uh, so I start on my journey to try to find one, and uh, I end up getting one. And I'm, I'm really kind of fuzzy on the mem on the on the recollection of this year, but for some reason there's something that didn't work out too terribly well, uh, where he didn't want the one that I actually picked up or something. So I ended up going to another super collector that had another one of one that would have worked for him. So I'm like, all right, hey, listen, man, here's what I'm trying to do. I want this card from this guy over here, and. He wants this card that you have, and here's the card that I have. <laughs> so, what if I trade my card that I have here for uh, the card that you have, because he wants that card so I could do the trade with him. <laughs> so, we end up doing this deal, this three-way deal. And uh, guys, if you've ever uh, traded with super collectors, it can be very difficult and very costly as far as the value that you have to offer for these guys. And understandably so, I mean, I'm the same way. I mean, <laughs> it's nothing against them. It's just how, how it goes when you're super collector, I guess. So anyways, uh, we end up doing this deal and it's fun to, uh, to look back. I remember getting this card, by the way, just how, how much cooler it was in my hand getting this 2018 triple threads Jose Canseco Wood, one of one, cartoon hero card. How much cooler it was to get it in my hand because I missed out as I was sick and had to go to another super collector. Then had to buy another card uh, out in the wild and had to do a deal with another super collector and all complete this whole rich tapestry of a deal. And that's what it took to get that card in my collection. You know, and would money have done this? Nope, absolutely not. I could have offered either Super Collector uh, four or five times the amount of money, and it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have mattered because they don't care about the cash; they care about the cards. And yeah, you know, look, in the same way. Uh, that's how, that's just how it is sometimes. If your if your goal as a collector, super collector, whatever. Uh, is to get these cards, it can be seen sometimes as counterproductive to just sell. Have I sold uh, before I sold out of everything? Yeah, I did that a few times myself. Because uh, it made sense at the time to do some things. Uh, but, uh, but it was definitely not something that was part of the norm. I mean, shoot, I, uh, I sold some cards recently uh, at Penseco simply because I didn't want them. <laughs> they didn't fit my collection. But when it comes to cards that are like one of ones that you do care about and you do love, you got to figure out how to work the art of the trade. That's just how it goes sometimes. And uh, uh, 
when you, and sometimes you also have to push through some barriers uh, to do this. I've been, uh, I've been called uh, persistent. I'm sure behind my back, I've been called annoying sometimes. <laughs> when it, and I try not to be uh, when it comes to, to uh, doing a trade or a deal. But uh, uh, sometimes you gotta, you gotta push hard and go the extra mile and be persistent uh, in order to do a deal that might not otherwise happen. And, uh, you know, certainly know your limits, obviously. You don't want to upset anybody or, or be a jerk or be rude or, you know, be annoying. Uh, but remember also that if somebody says that the car's not for sale, remember there's always cards out there that they want more than the card that you want uh, in their collection. It's just a matter of coming up with a deal that would make sense for them. So... It's kind of my story uh, that's been my experience like I said I've got all kinds of stories uh, like this that have taken multiple people uh, it's taken perhaps even multiple months uh, to put together but in the end uh, it's not like buying a card isn't isn't as, as exciting I guess it's like okay how do I like I said, go back to that cartoon hero card. I just bought it on my uh, supposed deathbed <laughs> of the flu from the end of last year. Uh, that wouldn't have had a great story. It's just I was sick. I saw it on eBay while I was in bed. But by now, bam, that's it. Uh, you know, that wasn't exciting. That wasn't. That simply was not an exciting story to have gone that way. But the fact that I had a couple other super collectors come in. Uh, that I brought in to do something uh, was just super fun. Like, whenever I look at that card now, I don't just see the card, I see the story. And uh, something else that's really interesting, uh, you never know what else could happen in the periphery of it as well. Uh, for one, one side of the deal, for example, uh, I knew that this other Conseco Super Collector had made a purchase of a, a 2017 Leaf Q patch. So I'm about 25. Uh, I really, I remember in 2017 Leaf uh, Q, I remember the cards were so beautiful and the patches were so big and so great that they commanded quite a premium. And I remember this card at 25 went for like, if I remember correctly, went for like over 200 or over 300 dollars like for cardio 25 uh, because the patch was so uh so fabulous it was, it was incredible and i remember having one similar uh similar to uh a patch but this patch that went for big money was like just had something about it that was like that much nicer than mine and uh because of this trade that i did for the Cartoon Hero card, I was actually able to work in another deal where I got that card I missed out on. <laughs> that went super high. Uh, so it's kind of fun to see what happens uh, um, in all these other you know, kind of side offshoot uh, deals that happen as well. And uh, so that was kind of exciting. It wasn't just the Cartoon Hero one of one wood card that I got, it was also this beautiful 
beautiful, beautiful out of 25 patch. Uh, that just blew away all the others uh, with that same print run. Uh, that I was trying to get, you know, like a year and a half or two years prior, you know. So that wouldn't have happened had this uh, deal not gone through most likely. So, uh, you know, again, I mean, I just got all kinds of stories like this where I pull out my suitcase of, and I'm sure you've seen the suitcase of cards that I have, where I have like my favorite Conseco cards. Uh, I have like a suitcase full of memories and stories that are behind almost like every one of those cards. And, uh, you know, a lot of that is fueled by trades. Not necessarily just me purchasing, but, uh, you know, the trades. And I'll tell you one more uh, before I wrap up here, because this is probably like the latest one that happened. Um, let me think about this for a second here, how this went. So you guys are going to have to uh, forgive me here because I'm probably going to have to stumble through this next story. Uh, mainly because I don't remember everything of what happened. I do know that uh, uh, it was quite convoluted and uh, I normally like to uh, rely on my notes because I write a lot and you know especially even just emails. <laughs> I rely on those for my, for my memory. So, uh, I guess I'm just getting old to do. I just don't remember as much. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so, I remember a while ago, there's somebody that said, uh, that wrote me, and he told me that his, uh, his father's health was failing. And uh, I think he might have been getting Alzheimer's or something, if I remember correctly. He was looking for a uh, Topps Heritage Chrome card of Kinseiko because his father was creating a set, uh, working on the set. And he'd been working on it since like 2001, 2002. Uh, and uh, the Kinseiko was the last one that he needed. And so uh, he said, this guy writes out, to me, writes to me and goes, hey Tanner, you know, we don't know each other, but uh, I know you were the Conseco guy and you sold out a lot of stuff. So here's the situation with my dad. Um, I'm really looking to complete uh, this, uh, uh, his collection for him, his set for him by his birthday. Uh, that way he can enjoy this uh, set before, uh, 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 you know, before he actually just kind of can't enjoy it anymore if that makes sense and i know you sold out of everything but do you by any chance have any leads on the 2001 uh tops heritage chrome very last card of a set if you could give me any help or any leads at all i would absolutely appreciate it and so you know man you know i don't know it's uh it struck a chord with me, and uh, I don't think he knew this, but I actually was working on a base run of everything that, uh, and I had actually picked up that card, uh, which I was super happy to have gotten uh, one back uh, in my collection, probably a month or so before. And so I said, well, <laughs> I'll tell you what, <laughs> I actually have one. <laughs> And I'll go ahead and sell it to you. Uh, 
you know, I, I don't need mine right now. I just don't need it right now. Uh, I really want one, but surely one will pop up later for me. And I'm just not in a hurry. And so I end up, uh, end up uh, selling it to him and he's happy about it. And, and uh, I'm just super pumped. Like, I'm thankful that I'm able to do that. And uh, uh, I'll tell you something, by the way, just, to, just as a side note, sometimes it's hard to let go of these cards. But when you do, uh, you feel really good. Like it just helps you feel really good about it. So um, felt great about it. And uh, so later on down, down the road, not too much longer, somebody writes to me, another Canseco uh, super collector writes out. And uh, he sees that I picked up a, a one of one of something and asked uh, if uh, I'd be interested in doing a deal for it. I go, well, okay. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm not against it. Let's, let's see what you have. And uh, so he goes, okay. Uh, he shows me pictures of what he has. And uh, <laughs> it turns out he's got a heritage also. I go, oh my gosh, dude, like, I just got rid of that and I was looking forward to one of them. So uh, I'd love to be able to do a deal with that card in it. It's okay. He, he uh, keeps showing me some cards and he shows me a bat barrel of Canseco. I go, oh my gosh, because a couple of my friends were asking me also about this one of one Canseco bat barrel. Bat barrels are a big deal for Canseco, by the way. Uh, and a couple of my friends were asking if I knew where it went because. Uh, it was on eBay, then it was pulled. It was on ComC, but it's pulled also or something. And uh, <laughs> you go, oh my gosh, you just like solved the mystery just by telling me that you have this card. <laughs> so anyways, I, I wasn't like wildly in love with it, but it's a bat barrel, <laughs> you know, and I didn't have a bat barrel uh, sacred card in my collection. So uh, since I wanted kind of like one of everything again, it's like, well, if we can do a deal for this bat barrel somehow, that'd be, you know, fantastic. It'd just be fabulous. I'd love to be able to get a bat barrel back in my collection. Even if it's not something I'm just like totally hyped about. Okay. So uh, we ended up doing a deal. And I just remember thinking like, huh, I wouldn't have been able to have bought this. You know, I would have, uh, I would have uh, had to have traded in the, the fact that I had a card that he wanted and that there's like some spark that had to do with this Chrome Heritage card that I gave up also uh, was kind of fun just to add into the story as well. And so I was like, I was pumped about it, but I was like, wait a second. I wonder if I can do a deal for this new bat barrel that I have coming in with another Conseco Super Collector that I know that has my old bat barrel it's a 2016 i think uh panini immaculate bat barrel of canseco I, I used to have like the lion's share of the barrels out there uh not too long ago so like uh i had four or five of them and that was like the vast majority of them that were actually ever made at that point and uh 
The Immaculate, of course, the one thing it didn't have going for it was, uh, you know, it certainly wasn't licensed. But the one thing it did have going for it was in hand, for me anyways, in hand, it looked better than the others because of its use of the gold olive oil. Like, on screen, it's kind of weird because when I looked at that one and the other Topps versions I had, like I had Five Star Museum and so on and so forth, uh, or Tier 1, I guess, not Five Star, uh, you look at it on computer, on the screen, the Topps ones look better, I think. Uh, at least, I guess I thought I was supposed to think that. <laughs> but I remember being the Tanini one in hand and just enjoying looking at that so much more than the others because the light would dance off the gold polyfoil and everything. So ultimately what happened was, as I was selling out, that barrel was one that caught the eye of a dealer uh, over east somewhere. So he buys like about 10 grand worth of my cards. Uh, that barrel's in the deal and come to find out he sets up at a card show. I think it was the National, maybe. If I remember correctly, I could be wrong. Uh, the thing is the National. He puts that barrel up along with some of my other cards. And uh, this guy who's like acting as a scout for one of my uh, quote unquote rivals <laughs> in uh, Super Collectordom, uh, he, uh, he ends up uh, uh, kind of bird dogging the my old barrel for him. And he ends up uh, buying the cart. And uh, and so he, uh, so this, this bat barrel is now in the uh, quote unquote forever home of a uh, super collector that, you know, it's one of those guys, just like all of this other super collectors, uh, at least back then or whatever, uh, that, you know, if a one of one, especially something like that, goes in your collection, it is not going to see the light of day again. Unless you're like me and has to show everything online all the time. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, it's kind of a, I guess I'm kind of weird like that. But these guys, like, when they get them, they don't let go. That's it. Game over. Unless you have something that you're willing to do a trade and can do something with. So, ultimately, what I ended up doing was I put together a trade package for this guy included the bat barrel that I just got in the trade from another super collector along with a few other one of ones and by the way that deal the thing that made it so fantastic also I, I'll back up uh, before I go any further uh, the thing that made that so fantastic was part of the deal uh, uh, of me getting that first bat barrel was me actually in agreement of me doing three custom cards for for that guy's uh, uh, kids. And he actually just posted them on social media after he just gave them to him. Just because recently to sign and it came out great, I love them. So it is a fun response, fun reaction. And guys, I think it's just what collecting is about. And I just think it's, uh, you know, it's just fun, a lot of joy, that's all of them. So uh, I loved it and, and to, to think that that had a big hand in getting this barrel in my collection is just like, ah, you know, I just love it so much. But anyway, and I got great feedback 
on those cards. And a lot of people asking me about customs for their kids and, and for their parents and for themselves. And these customs, by the way, they, uh, they featured uh, some gold hollow foil in some of them, some super fractor material, some uh, jumbo cuts of uh, jersey pieces. Um, you know, they came out great. So, uh, you know, I'm super happy to be able to do that stuff. But anyway, so I put this, uh, this trade package together for this guy. And it included the bat barrel that I wasn't totally uh, hyped about. I just picked up, uh, along with a few other one ones I just simply did not care about. I just didn't really care. <laughs> I don't care about a whole lot of one of ones or any other cards, uh, but when I do care about a card, then I really care. <laughs> so, anyways, I'm like a, a track in the sky. I'm having a very difficult time getting a response from him about if he wants to do the deal. And so I think I'm probably checking in with him every so often over the course of a month or so. And uh, uh, so as I'm checking in, I'm kind of uh, biting my nails because I keep thinking like the more I think about it, the more this bat barrel, the immaculate bat barrel with gold olive oil uh, is kind of dancing in my head and how excited I am about possibility of not just having just another bat barrel in my collection, but my favorite one that took this magnificent journey to a dealer on the East Coast, to the National, to this other guy that ultimately bought it for uh, one of my rivals, and uh, that might possibly come full circle uh, <clears throat> into my collection. And uh, you know, that fun, the fun thing is also, by the way, as an aside, uh, Anthony, the Gary Carter super collector that I interviewed a few weeks ago, uh, he, that's actually the first interaction that he and I had together. He messaged me on Twitter to let me know that he saw it in a break. So that was kind of a fun thing too. Uh, see guys, I mean, card collecting can be all about like relationships and everything. I mean, <laughs> brings communities together and that sort of thing. It's just really, really fun hobby in so many levels. But Anyway, so after I'm chasing this guy for like weeks, <laughs> you want to do this? Let's, uh, let's figure it out. And of course I had to restructure the deal. I don't know, two, three, 10 times. I'm not sure, <laughs> but uh, it ended up working out. He said, okay, we did a deal guys. Like I got my bat barrel back. <laughs> that would have never, ever, ever, ever have happened uh, had I not done a deal, uh, another trade with another super collector uh, whom since I've become friends with and for uh, uh, his bat barrel and uh, just such a such a fun rich story about that bat barrel now if you think about it it's it's not just a barrel that somebody uh, tipped me off on from a break years ago uh, and by the way even the story of the back and forth I had with the original owner of it uh, a few years ago, watching it being broke on, on YouTube, having the video that it happened on, I mean, all that stuff, that nice, rich story, the history of the card itself and uh, its travels, its journey, um, all that is like super exciting to me. And, uh, and so I really, really appreciate that. I love it. Um, 
and that's one of the reasons why that card means so much to me and uh, why I enjoy it so much that it's back in my collection. So, uh, like I said, guys, like my collection has all kinds of cards with stories like that behind them. So, uh, I guess my uh, challenge to you tonight, and I know that we're running kind of long on this, I think we're over an hour now, uh, but my challenge to you is, is a couple things. Number one, uh, you know, really, really start to think about how you might possibly be able to do some trades with people. Uh, it, it strengthens relationships, but it also uh, allows you to have like an entirely different dimension of collecting uh, at your disposal. And, uh, and finally, I want you to think about the cards that you have in your collection uh, and the stories that there are. Uh, uh, when it comes to like how you acquired them. And uh, I, I can imagine that you probably have a nice handful of cards that the story isn't merely, I saw it on eBay, I clicked by it now and it came to my house. You know, that's, uh, I, I have a feeling you've got a lot more stories behind some of these cards than you know. And uh, when we do this, by the way, guys, like when we really start thinking about the stories behind our cards and how they are, how they make to our collections. Uh, it helps us to be more thankful for what we have, which I think, and, and you've heard me talk about this a lot, uh, uh, the importance of being thankful and content with what we have and not all about uh, this bloodlust of trying to get the next card. <laughs> that makes sense. So, I'll go ahead and stop that. Uh, this episode right there. Um, thank you all for listening. Uh, please like, subscribe, subscribe, and uh, share this podcast if you enjoyed it. And uh, I would love to hear some of the trade stories that you have, uh, if you have any at all. Uh, please feel free to email me, tanmanbaseballfan at gmail.com, or at Twitter, at tanmanbbfan. Let's hear it, man. Let's uh, load me up with your stories. Y'all have a great night. Thanks for listening.